your culture sucks and you're contributing to these 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 issues that you see that plague our country. When Brandon Krastowski was 18, he was charged with resisting arrest after originally being suspected of a drug-related offense. A judge could have imposed a 10-year term on Brandon, but instead sentenced him to one year of probation. Soon after this, Brandon began working with Detroit chef George Kalergis, who became his mentor, led him to the Culinary Institute of America in New York, where he went on to earn an associate's degree in culinary arts, a bachelor's degree in business and restaurant management. Chef Brandon Krastowski is the founder, president, and CEO of Edwin's Leadership and Restaurant Institute. It trains and is staffed largely by former prison inmates and is the subject of the 2017 Academy Award-nominated documentary short, Knife Skills. Krastowski is also a certified sommelier and a fromager. How'd I do on that? I mean, good French? Yeah, yeah I tried. He also ran for Mayor of Cleveland in 2017. Chef was named as one of the five national finalists for the James Beard Award in the Outstanding Restaurateur category, which recognizes a restaurateur who uses their establishment as a vehicle for building community, demonstrates creativity and entrepreneurship, integrity in restaurant operations, and is making efforts to create a sustainable work culture. Sounds like somebody we want to talk to on this podcast, uh, so we did. Chefs had over 550 people graduate from their program in the past decade. Edwin's Leadership at Restaurant Institute is a Cleveland-based nonprofit. And they offer formerly incarcerated adults a foundation in the culinary and hospitality industries. They get access to social services through the program. And just as important, they receive a regular paycheck. This second chance opportunity is all too uncommon in our workforce today. But as you'll hear from Chef, this is why it shouldn't be. Let's bring it in. Well, I guess to, to start out, uh, for folks who are maybe unaware of your background and uh, Edwin's, can you maybe just lead us in, Brandon, with some background on yourself and what you're doing? Yeah, you bet. You bet. So, I mean, the, the short of it, I'll, I'll tell you the story of Edwin's, how it started, and, and really our scope where it is today. Okay. So, uh, I had a break when I was younger. Uh, it was one of many, but the most important break. Uh, I was 19, 18, 19, going on 19. And got arrested facing a you know five to ten years sentence, and uh, I had a judge give me probation instead. So just doing some time in county jail, that was it, and uh, you know really spared me a lot of a lot of my good years, uh, you know, in early twenties. Uh, while I was on probation, I ended up meeting a chef in downtown Detroit. He mentored me. He said, you know, he goes, "Hey, Brandon, it's not practice that makes perfect. It's perfect practice that makes perfect." The the fundamentals he taught me in that kitchen uh, in on Woodward Avenue. Uh, Last to this day, and I got out of Detroit, went to the Culinary Institute of America, uh, apprentice under Charlie Trotter, uh, and then from there um, ended up going to Europe. I worked in France, the Michelin two and three star restaurant in Paris, and then New York City, where I, I said I'm going to be the best chef in the world. And we all know the world, you know, ends at the Hudson River, so I said this is where I need to be, and I started climbing myself in the ranks. But in um, I got a phone call. I remember it, 2004. Uh, and it was the chef who mentored me calling to tell me that the, the guy I came up with, the younger, younger man, was, was murdered. Two weeks later, another another incident, the same. And um, I had this idea that I said, look, man, if there's a restaurant that could give someone a second chance like I had back in Detroit, if it was built, it could help others, right? In some way, shape, or form, it would work. So that's how it started. Now, fast forward about 10 years, 
2012 started teaching in prison. So we continue teaching in uh, Ohio institution, hands-on in, in, in one, one institution. Uh, we opened the restaurant in 2013. So it's a six-month training program. So French fine dining restaurant, right? There's going to be no um, announcement during this, this, this idea of a nonprofit social enterprise. It's like, listen, you're just coming into a lights out, great French restaurant. And for six months, the, the staff are actually students who are coming out of the criminal justice system or have been affected by it, learning every position, dining room, kitchen, as well as getting business basics and, um, you know, looking at PLs. Uh, you know, we make sure we have you, you covered for driver's license or health insurance and bank account. You, you have to have, uh, we've expanded that into housing. Uh, so a few years later, started doing housing. We now have um, four buildings. So if a student needs free housing that's available, if they need um, a graduate housing, we have that like 200 bucks a month. We opened up a butcher shop, a bakery, a second restaurant. Child care center opens this month. I got one more inspection and I'll have the state come through next week. Uh, and we reached now not just one prison, we reached 400,000 inmates across the country who can take our video series on tablets if you're incarcerated. So, um, oh, and juvenile detention center too. We teach in juvie five days a week. So it really hits hard. And the idea is just continue to, to develop great leaders. If if there was a, a model, that's that's what it is, man. Just developing great leaders. That's awesome. I mean, you've had close to, I think I read 550, 600 graduates come through the program so far. Yeah, yeah, we just did another. We just did another class on Saturday. Graduated a couple more, so we're, we're yeah, we got to be at least six hundred, close to six hundred. What's the hardest thing to teach? You, you know, it's it's rehumanization, right? I mean, it's not like bechamel or you know confit. It's it's really having someone feel like they're human again, and uh, you know, poverty, prison, that sort of thing just strips it away. And you know, six months isn't nearly enough time to. To do it 100 percent but it definitely gets someone on the pathway if they're if they're challenged with feeling the strong again uh, that's that's definitely the toughest thing to do in six months what would um and the reason i ask the we had a guest on a, a few episodes yeah. ago his name is jamie mccullum he's a sociologist and he writes a lot about poverty and frontline work and you know one of the things he said was those who are paid the least often pay the most he talked about how uh, only Three and you know three and four of America's inmates receive no job training while incarcerated, um, and when they re, when they're re-entering, um, they're oftentimes still not done paying um, the the cost of 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 their incarceration. Sure. What would what would surprise a another restaurateur or another uh, CEO or executive who's listening to this right now um, about your experience? To hopefully persuade them to consider um, creating more opportunities for more people within their organization. Yeah, I think I think what would surprise them is looking at their own culture and, and finding out their culture sucks. You know what I mean? And they they're like sustaining this um, uh, this culture that 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 is continuing all those devastating facts that you just said. Um, you know, businesses are contributing to what you just said by not having a culture that that can benefit others with a second chance or, um, you know, someone's struggling through a, through a rough patch. Uh, I, I think that's that's like the realization, you know, consulting around the country. People are faced with this idea like, shit, this we're not we're not doing the right thing or we're not doing a good job. But 
they're so far down the river to change that culture around would mean a lot, a lot of changes to their time schedule or, or maybe their, their profit margins in the short term, but in the long term would obviously, you know, come back five or tenfold. I, th I think that's the biggest surprise, man. I mean, there's no surprise to anyone in this world what a human can do. Uh, I, I think that maybe there's some fear out there that people surrender to, but I, I get, there's no, there's no story I can tell you that's not going to be like, oh yeah, of course, of course that's possible, right? I think the biggest surprise is like, your culture sucks and you're contributing to these, these, these issues that you see that plague our country. And um, you, you need to take the time or make the investment, which is generally more time than it is money into, into fixing that, that culture. I, I look at what you're doing and I mean, you are at the end of the day uh, through I mean, even the program is you have graduates coming through, you're creating a learning environment, like a high speed learning environment to get people from point A to completion and continuing to develop. Uh, employee development is a real challenge in a lot of environments, yeah, especially yeah. in frontline environments like yours and hospitality and restaurants. I guess any, 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 uh, what, what, any keys that make it work in your environment where, um, not to another point into this question, but, a lot of the people you, you, that you're working with might get labeled as unskilled or low skilled by other HR folks out there in the world. I guess, how do you make it work? For sure. So th there's a couple things. I mean, I, I could narrow it down to just a few, right? So the first would be like, you know, that the idea of perfect practice makes perfect, right? Excellence is always employable. Um, you know, if you look like a Ferrari, you drive like a Ferrari, you're probably a Ferrari, right? So if you can do something that's so far above and beyond the skill set and level of what, what others can do, then I, I mean, you and I probably agree on this. I don't think your past matters, right? If you can make someone money or save them money in business, someone's looking right past that. So you just, you just have, my advice would be one, just train to the top. You know, excellence is always employable. Um, how do you facilitate that? Well, you perfect practice you know i always encourage employers they'll call me and they'll say hey we need someone to, to you know i need someone at the factory to cut boxes or something like that i say okay do that okay i mean where's someone going to go with that after a year or two uh the other, the other thing i recommend is showing someone the whole perspective of the business you're in you know at anyone you'll work the dining room you'll work the kitchen use the business sense right as well if you can if you can work every position in that factory including cutting the boxes and look at what management looks like to work in. If you can run someone through a um, a course like that in the front end of their employment, when they do settle in the position of whatever is needed, they understand what their action and reaction does. There's um there's more of a roadmap on how to how to get to the top, right? So I think sometimes what what employers will see is ah there's no productivity here. Well, yeah, you you show someone a tree. And they're not looking beyond that because you're not showing them beyond that and, and telling them, Hey, if you work here and you work your way up, you'll, you'll, you can do that. What does work your way up look like? You, you see what I mean? So I think introducing that whole perspective is, is, is essential. Um, creating a work environment, obviously that is like, like we meet people where they're at. Like we don't even ask about your offense. You know, we say, Hey, have you been affected by the criminal justice system? You say, yes. Okay, good. That's all we need to know. And let's move forward. And, uh, you know, you know, a little, little sprinkle of care every now and then doesn't hurt, but those would be the five things, Sam, I, I say really, really rocked, rocked the house here. The, the, I read 
when I was preparing to for this conversation, there was multiple times I heard people in interviews talk about how, like the quote was, they didn't even ask me about my background. Mm-hmm. And we just live in a world where there's probably some HR and lawyers running around saying we can't do that, right? Yeah, there is. But there's always a lawyer who says you, there's a way out. You know what I mean? There's a way you can't. I mean, like, look at man, this the stuff that we do here. It's something that's never been done before because no one ever like pushed to see how it can be done, right? You say, I said, you know what? You know, everyone here gets paid a stipend, right? It's not like it's that you're not getting paid a million dollars an hour, which again goes to this contradicts this idea that you need twenty twenty five dollars an hour you know you give someone a better future i think that you shouldn't work them for less just because but you know pay, pay, pay a decent wage right as an employer offer a decent future you're going to get a great result right but here we, we do a stipend because we provide everything else okay and i i said dude why why do you, they shouldn't have no one should be able to get garnished during this this time that they're here whatever debt you owe just Give someone six months to breathe, get on their feet. Um, and it's such a low amount, it shouldn't be taxed. You know, I put all these attorneys and people, we found an exception here that, you know, now they can prevent the garnishment of it. You know, your accountant there says because the income level over the course of the year, you're not going to have to pay taxes. I mean, we make sure that someone's, what they get is, you know, bang for their buck, right? Um, you know, we take food stamps here and allow people to buy their food here for wholesale with food stamps. They have them, right? I mean, you see, there's all these, these, all these things you can do and, and rewrite the system. But if you just surrender to the fear and say, Hey, we can't because it's, it's dangerous. So that's, that can be accepted by some people, but if not for us, it's not acceptable to say to do, to, to do that because we, and you just got to find a way around it. So you're right. HR is man. HR is like, it's a nightmare, but I, mean, I guess it's a good thing. We don't have an HR department here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, the, um, the other thing that I, I had come across was you talked in an interviewer in another podcast about their um, you having a not and you will not fail approach. Mm-hmm. And I'd imagine that like any workplace, some folks coming in um, may not be immediately receptive to the environment because of there's they're not bought in yet and mm-hmm. they're going through that process and coming out of an environment that was much different than the one that you've created. Um, how do you create that as a leader, a you will not fail approach that in turn gets the most out of employees who maybe aren't quite bought in just yet, even though they're appreciative of the opportunity? Yeah. So I, I'll, I'll give you like the nuts and bolts approach of how we do it. But I, I think like, again, say, I, I mean, I don't have a television, man. I, I don't, I don't, I don't. I apologize, but don't listen to, to podcasts. I just, I feel like just clear instincts is the best medicine, and there, there's a sense from a, for a lot of people uh, in the program we have that the other shoe is going to drop. You know what I mean? It's just like it's it's always happened. It's just a matter of when, and I think it's it's got you got to you got to break that. Okay, you got to break that to 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 a, a more of a, a mentality of like, where can I go from here? Like one, like one of the like the happiest and saddest moments I had was uh, was a few months ago. I was I was up in Detroit doing this James Beard dinner. They invited a couple of us out there, and I always take student with me or two or three. And and um, it was in Detroit, and so when you're driving up there, you got Canada right over right the Detroit River. And she was with me. She said, you know, I'd really like to get my passport maybe 
you know, maybe travel. Uh, and, and you know what? It's like, there's the moment, man. Like you broke it. You broke the idea that you would fail. And now you've bought into the idea that, that there's a future and you could do something. You see what I mean? Like that's big psychology. So how we do it in the first two weeks, man, we try to hit very hard with challenges. Um, and they're simple challenges that require effort. And if you overcome them, you can, you're confident, right? So it's memorizing how many teaspoons are in a tablespoon, how many tablespoons to a cup, how many cups to a quart, quarts to a gallon, right? You see, you just, you challenge and you say, okay, here's how you measure now. Now this is the effect that your measurement has when you're making a recipe. Then that affects how much money you make. And now we start talking about business and how you control costs. And this is how you, 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 you know, essentially determine whether there's a loss or not. Uh, then we, we go over things like serve safe. So, so temperatures and danger zones. And, and then in the meantime, we're making sure you have a bank account or you have your ID or, or a license. So, um, or health insurance, we want to connect you with. That's a big thing. We want to make sure you're connected with that. Uh, so in a very short time of a week or two, we're, we're trying to, you know, convince this more powerful. Yes. That, that the temptation around you or doubt around you is less than the power of what's going on right now. And, and there's no, no nothing that can replace time. There's nothing that can replace a challenge. Uh, that's also why the program switches positions, right? You're, you're bartending, you're serving, you're hosting, you're cooking. I mean, because once you feel like you got it, it's time for a new challenge. You got to break and rebuild this, uh, this esteem, right? This muscle we have. Uh, and so that's how we do it in, in, in practice. But theoretically, it's just about popping that bubble that, that something else is going to fail. It, when you, when you explain it, it's kind of like, you know, reading a recipe, it, it looks really easy as you <laughs> as sitting in your kitchen yeah. going through it. Um, the, again, I think what it, what it shines so brightly to me in, in what you're doing is the reality that you're seeing potential in every person that you, um, that works with you uh, in the environment and makes me wonder how, how can we create that type how can we duplicate that type of environment not just in more restaurants but in more organizations um yeah i mean that's what we do i mean we work with we work with manufacturers work with other companies and it, you, you know from the top down it has to become a sacrifice um you know you gotta put yourself in third or fourth place every day behind your your, your business your community you know even your family right and uh, I think when people see that from the top down, they start to say, you know, we can't, you know, we can do that. Like we see it, we can do it. Right. So on an ongoing basis, it's always practicing that. But, but two, it's, it start to implement, you know, the fact that every, every work culture is going to have its own like vibe. Right. And like, we want to make sure our culture here, you're hardworking, you're coming out of time, but you know, if the music's a little different, if the swagger's a little different, like that's that's it just takes on its own its own vibe and that's and that's okay. And I think some people are comfortable with that. Uh, we're we're very proud of ourselves and who and, and where we've come from. And um so to embrace that with whatever style, I, I think sometimes it's challenging, maybe. I don't know, for other mm -hmm. cultures, we, you know, it's a ground up approach here. So it's hard to say, you know, if we had to start it over, what would we do? Uh, I mean, I'm sure you have countless stories of of you know, folks have come through the program is there anyone that uh shines out to you that again someone you know organization listening that's trying to create a culture like you're talking about um yeah. might might motivate what story like comes to mind 
Oh, geez. I mean, there's a ton, man. You know, we, we ask everyone to do a life plan, like when they start, like where you want to be, we're going to start to visualize these things. And when someone says like they want to have their kid back, you know, or custody of their kid, partial or full, um, they achieve something like that. Like that, that means they, they spoke it, they said it and they, and over the time they've achieved it. I mean, what it do for our bottom line? I don't know. I mean, we still sold wine. We still sold, uh, you know, foie gras. But, um, you know, personally, that that life improved. Now you have a you know mother at home uh, with an income who is has a family. And the same goes for fathers alike. Uh, you know, you, you see that a lot. So, I, I, I mean, everyone's got their bottom line, man. But at some point, you know, what, what is that bottom line going to produce? Uh, another watch? You know what I mean? Fancy pair of jeans. I mean, like at some at some point, like there's there's having a having enough or maybe more than enough than having too much. And I think if some some of that space in between could be shed for for um, you know helping others get to where they want to go. And for those who are on the cusp, you know what I mean? Like shit, it's business, man. I mean, like trust me, payroll comes in here every two weeks, and I see that train coming, and I'm always always hustling, man. It's, it's not as giving a speech as catering. If it's not catering, we're we're upselling, a, you know, an order. I mean, you're always trying to hustle, but for those on the cusp, you know, what it's like to have that drive, and and you, we have that in a lot of people here. Just that drives it to, to survive. And so, yeah. I never worry about when when time comes, we have to ring the bell, and say we got to go. Everyone, everyone goes. You know, they, we 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 rise up. So, yeah. yeah if, I, if I hear you right, I mean, it's also good business to do this. I mean, at the end of the day, you're unlocking yeah. the true potential of every I mean, of your workforce. I mean, doing a life plan with an employee. I mean, that's wild. That, I mean, that's makes perfect sense, but you know, it's maybe not something that's so common. Yeah. Like I said, man, people, I mean, you, you see it, Amazon's got that. I mean, around here, I think it's 40 or 50% turnover a month. Um, 20, $24 an hour doesn't work. Okay. Uh, helping someone get to their future and what they believe is, is, is where they want to be. That's, that's where the gold is. And, and it requires hard work, right? Nothing in this world is going to be given. You know that. You you see a, maybe a, a social media feed or some movie, but the reality of life is it takes time, man. Yeah, it takes time. Totally. Well, Brandon, last question. I appreciate you uh, sure. taking time and how busy you are. Um, talking about the future of work, things you're talking about are in many ways creating a future of work that is a hell of a lot better than maybe the way it was. What is your hope for the future of work? The hope? I mean... I mean, I'd be a little selfish because, you know, our mission speaks to people coming out of the justice system. But, um, you know, that, that every human being has, has the right to a fair and equal future, you know, regardless of their past. And if the future work look like developing systems or culture within a system within that culture, that could take someone with the least and develop in, into, the, you know, the most – that to me is the hope for the future work. So whether it's out of prison or, you know, coming through addiction or whatever that rough patch is, man, maybe someone just got out of a divorce. They're not feeling too good and they need, they need to get, they need to get back on their feet. I mean, whatever it is, that system within each workplace, that culture that supports the system, that would be the hope uh, for the future of the workplace. Brandon, thanks for taking time. <laughs> You're welcome. Jaime, I don't know where to start on some of the takeaways here. I got like three pages of notes. Uh, perfect practice makes perfect. That's a simple one. Excellence is always employable. 
yeah. You need to train to the top. You need to show people the whole perspective. He even went on to talk about as a recommendation I thought was really powerful that, you know, maybe you shouldn't even ask about the offense as you think about how we navigate the waters of creating more opportunities and second chances for people in our community. The one thing Chef said that really stuck with me that I think is a powerful point for any talent leader, any C-level executive, anybody who's thinking about how they create a workforce where everybody can compete and your business can tap into the full potential of the people that come to work every day, was when Chef said, you gotta help people get to their future. You know, as we think about the way that we're creating work today, and we gotta think about the barriers that are currently blocking so many people from so many opportunities, as business leaders, we have a responsibility and an opportunity to create an environment where our people not just can access learning opportunities and put their skills to work in a variety of roles, not just because it's good for our business, but because it's good for their future. Because your workers, especially in the hospitality industry, while they may be with you today, they may not be with you tomorrow. And that's a good thing because where they go next in their life, in their career pathway, in their journey will only be better or worse depending on how you invest and affect the people around you. Help people get to their future. So thanks to Chef for taking time to talk to us. We know it's a crazy time. You got the James Beard Awards, all types of stuff going on. If you're ever going through Cleveland, make sure you uh, check out Chef in his restaurant, Edwin's. Probably will be a meal you won't forget. Now, don't forget to subscribe to Bring It In so you never miss an episode. We've got some awesome guests lined up that you're not going to want to miss. Now, back to work.